Now, ladies and gentlemen, the first of a new comedy series. From the heart of London, BBC Studios proudly bring you an epic saga to bring a tear to your eye, a lump to your throat, and a pain to your neck. <laughs> Shudder to scenes of naked violence like this. Take that. Ah. Take that. Ah. Take that. No, I can't you last one. <laughs> Please, I insist. No, all right. No! Yes, all human life is here, and Kenneth Williams to boot. That's not a bad idea, either. <laughs> As we take you round the horn. Here are details of some of tonight's programmes. At 8.25, a navvy will be talking about Top of the Picks. <laughs> Immediately following this, the BBC extends an invitation to come dancing with Lord Boothby. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I'll read that again. <laughs> Invitation to come dancing. With Lord Boothby in the studio tonight <laughs> will be a panel consisting of Richard Burton, Wilfred Lawson and Jimmy Edwards in this week's edition of Does the Team Drink? <laughs> and finally, for those of you interested in flower arrangement, A.G. Street will be reading an extract from Lady Chatterley's Lover. <laughs> but meanwhile, for those of you who are more easily pleased, it's round the hall. First programme of a new series. Here's the story so far. In the last episode, as you may remember, we left winsome, curvaceous Kenneth Williams held captive in Lyle Street by the mysterious gynaecologist Hugh Paddock and his sinister bodyguard, gnarled, grizzled Betty Marsden. Inch by inch, the ceiling is descending while a drink-crazed crocodile, played by the Fraser Hayes Four in a skin, snaps at a rope which holds him suspended above a vat of tepid chicken fat, played by Bill Pertwee. <laughs> Suddenly, the door creaked open, and silhouetted in the doorway stood a ghastly apparition, a nightmare creature of hideous aspect. It shuffled forward and spoke. My name is Kenneth Hall. Welcome to Round the Horn. You've just been listening to An Evening with Douglas Smith. Now, um, as this is the first programme you won't have heard last week's, the uh, script, as you may have gathered, is by Edgar Allan Poe, who, as you know, wrote such masterpieces of horror as The Telltale Heart, The Pit and the Pendulum, and Compact. <laughs> In the series, we shall not hesitate to make outspoken political comment. Disraeli had warts! Gladstone wears a wig, bone and law has got hairy ears. Yes, that's just a taste of what's in store. None shall escape the lash of our scorn. No, none shall escape. None at all, no. None. We shall not be afraid to tell you the truth, even if it concerns the highest in the land. Princess Margaret is married to Anthony Armstrong Jones. I say steady. <laughs> Obadiah Silk travels on a tube without paying his fare. Really? How do you know? I am Obadiah Silk. <laughs> Truth with honour. That's our policy. Yeah, and a bit of smart. Shut up. <laughs> well, now, then, um, how does a show like this come into being? Well, Say that again. <laughs> that, I may say, is a question I'm frequently asked. 
Well, perhaps not frequently. I, I should have said never, really. <laughs> and so in response to listeners' intense apathy, from time to time we're going to present a feature on the backroom boys of the BBC. To those chaps who spend all that time in a small backroom in Broadcasting House, we'd like to say... Hurry up here! <laughs> down, Williams, down, boys! Well... Down! I, uh, I swear he understands every word I say. <laughs> now, of all the people behind the scenes who make a show like ours impossible, no group is more important than the programme planners. Let us eavesdrop now on one of their meetings as they voice their opinions on the sort of thing that you, the public, want to hear. Filth, tripe, unsavoury muck. <laughs> Gentlemen, we are facing a crisis. We in radio must win back the audiences that we lost to the talkies. They'll never catch on. They're a nine days wonder. Just a flash in the pan. Flash in the pan. Quite enough of that. Well, let us face facts, gentlemen. We must cut down on expenses, economise. As you know, we've already made a start. Five to ten has been cut down. It's now going to be a two and a half minutes to ten. And to cut expenses even further, we're using an unfrocked vicar. Yes, we are. We are. Uh, Sir Clive, Sir Clive, what measures have you taken in light entertainment? Yes, well, we've cut the budget of Movie Go Round by 50%. It's now going to be called Movie Go Halfway Round. (laughs) (laughs) Very good, very good, very good. What about about children's programmes? Yeah, we've taken off most of the children's programmes. In fact, we made a small profit when we demolished Toy Town. Uh, We sold uh, sold their Larry the Lamb at three and six a pound. And Peter Bruff's been very helpful. You remember that dummy he had, the lovable little wooden rascal? What was his name? Uh, Eamon Andrews. And <laughs> well, he's been chopped up. And Mr. Bruff's hawking him round as matches. <laughs> oh, capital, capital. Yeah. I have one or two other schemes for cutting corners. Uh, we could telescope some of the shoes together. Yeah. Uh, for instance, have a go while you work. <laughs> Lift up your housewife's choice. (laughs) Well, well, all these economy measures should save the BBC a lot of money. We may soon be able to put into effect the plan that I know is nearest to all our hearts. We can vote ourselves a substantial increase in our salaries. Now we come to the section of the show we call Trends. It's a feature especially for the younger crowd, the jet set, the trendy, the with it pace setters, the few who are switched on as opposed to the many who by now will have switched off. But well, no, it's got hairy ears. Oh, dear. Give him something to say and he milks it to death. And a mole on his hip. Shaped like an artichoke. Oh, stop it, William, stop it. (laughs) Now, where was I? Now, uh, what new trends are there on the fashion scene? Bosoms are back. I'm very pleased to hear it, indeed. (laughs) Welcome back, bosoms. It's good to have you around again. And and waists are back where they belong. Oh, where's that? Around the knee. This year.
here, Jacques Fart is very keen on plastic hip-length waders with Cuban heels. Well, if he's so keen on them, let him wear them himself. He couldn't, couldn't get me into a pair. Never seen anything so effeminate. Absolutely disgraceful. Thank you, Norman Hartnell. That's it. <laughs> Good luck with your new series of Doctor Who. Thank you. <laughs> so, to recap, this year the new fashion trends are backs out, hips in, thighs out, knees up, and that's what it's all about. Oh, That was the, uh, the male voice choir of the Hellfire and Damnation Tabernacle of Aberystwyth. <laughs> now then, on to travel trends. Where are people going for their holidays this year? Well, if you want to get away from it all, why not spend a couple of weeks in the Urals? <laughs> <laughs> then there's a package holiday in Yugoslavia, a walking tour, last five days. Or three if you run. <laughs> But here's one that's becoming increasingly popular with English tourists. Three weeks in a Spanish jail. <laughs> but for the more adventurous, what about this novel way of getting to Moscow? Fly you to the airline that gets you there and gets you back eventually when they can find a spy to exchange you for. <laughs> oh, there's no end to the vista that opens before the modern traveller. But always remember the three cardinal don'ts of foreign travel. Don't drive on the left. Don't tip more than 15%. And finally... Don't wash your feet in it. <laughs> now, what's new in art? This week at the Codpiece Gallery, there's an exhibition of pop art by an exciting new artist, Toulouse Rickett. Now, Mr... <laughs> Mr Rickett, I, I must say I was intrigued. <laughs> I really was intrigued, Mr. Rickett, not to mention appalled uh, by some of these paintings. Now, this one, for instance, um, what is it? Well, how can I define it? It's a montage, if you want to know. A montage composed of objets trouvés. Yes, well, I gathered that, but where exactly did you trouvé that particular object? You mean this wooden seat? Yes. Well... <laughs> Actually, it comes from the Jens Wash and Brush up in Paddington. <laughs> I've created a collage using it as a centerpiece against a background of motorbike parts, raspberry jam, and a final demand for the rates. <laughs> I call the whole thing prelude to a down payment on a gas cooker. And these are three pictures. Ah, yes, my triptych. Mm, I knew you'd like those. They express the chaos of man's environment, his eternal quest for the immutable and the unknowable. You can have it for three quid. <laughs> Go on. I've been working in a new and exciting medium, fruit salts. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, but there's 30 bobs worth of fruit salts there alone. Yes, yes, yes. I realise that. Well, 15 I... bobs. There, I can't say fairer than that, can no, I? No, no, really. I just... Uh, no, but goodness me, you don't have to look at it. You can scrape the fruit salts off with a pen knife and use them. <laughs> yeah, tone you up, they will, look as though you need it, too. Make a new man of you. Go on, five bars. No. Well, lend me sixpence for a cup of tea. No. Would you like to meet a nice girl? Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you fascist pig, philistine, capitalist hyena, reactionary imperialist. 
You've got a red nose. You're bald. Go home, Yank. Oh, he's gone. Oh, it's so dispiriting. How can a sensitive artist like me survive in this money-grabbing world? Recently, I had the pleasure... Uh, quite recently. Uh, <laughs> last Thursday, it was, actually. <laughs> to meet the man, invite along tonight to talk about his work. Ladies and gentlemen, Lemuel Gast. Now, Mr. Gast, I, I believe you've just completed yet another musical based on one of Charles Dickens' books. Uh, yes, Mr. Hall. Now I've been working on it for some minutes now. <laughs> Almost complete. It's, uh, it's based on Dickens' well-loved classic sketches by Boz. I'll, uh, I'll do you a snatch of one of the theme songs, if you like. Yes, thank you. Sketches by Boz from out of nowhere. Well, now... <laughs> Yes. Forgive my criticism, of but that, that tune sounds rather familiar. Oh, yes, but that's possibly because it is. I mean, all my tunes are. For instance, dig this. I'm Martin Chazowit. Oh, Martin Chazowit. That's who I am. And let me lay this one on you, baby. Bleak house, you come to me with an ought save life. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, you've used everybody else's tunes, isn't that stealing? Ah, uh, I prefer to say I've been influenced. <laughs> but between ourselves, I mean, Dickens is on the wane, don't you think, Dickens? On well, the maybe. Yes, I mean, like he's been done to death, you know. <laughs> oh, this very minute I'm planning to do a musical on another book. The Old Testament, you, uh, <laughs> may have read it. No, I saw the film, though. <laughs> Tawdry and mundane to my way of thinking, man. I mean, in comparison with the masterpiece that I'm planning, I've already approached Harry Seacombe. For what part? The Twelve Tribes of Israel. <laughs> oh, wait till you see the sets, man. The main piece represents the whole world. Uh, Sean Kenny has promised to create it for us in six days. Mm. <laughs> and the and the song you were telling me about, the theme song. Oh, the theme song, yes. Well, well, man, it comes as they finally flee from Pharaoh and have their first taste of freedom, man. They sing what will definitely like be the hit of the show. Everything's coming up, Moses, for me and for you. So much for this week's edition of Trends. Next week we'll bring you some more fad people talking, gear people raving, drunk people mumbling, and rude people gesturing. And so, goodbye to those of you who are with it, and to those of you without it. Uh... Just send a stamped addressed envelope and we'll tell you where to get it. <laughs> Here now to sing a number from their new LP, Music to Clip Your Toenails By, are the Fraser Hayes Four. <laughs> Stay with the happy people 
the sun Life is a Christmas toy Down through the endless ages Tears have been contagious And take from me that misery Is looking around for company So stay, stay, stay with the happy people Don't wrinkle your brow, it's strictly out of style Stay with the people who love to wear a smile Wear a smile and stay With the happy people With the happy, happy people Have your fun, live in the land of joy And happiness can be yours So stay You've gotta stay With the happy people That's the way to be And face the sun, life is a Christmas toy Ages. Tears have been contagious And take from me that misery Is looking around for company So stay, stay, stay with the happy people Don't wrinkle your brow, it's strictly out of style Just stay with the people who love to smile Don't wrinkle your brow, it's out of style Stay with the people who love to wear a smile Fraser Hayes for and get well soon. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Clissold Saga. birthday of a grand old lady. <laughs> lady Beatrice Counterblast. Known to generations of theatre lovers, cinema lovers, and in fact, lovers of all kinds, as B. Clissold. Under that name, she rose from humble beginnings to the dazzling heights of stardom in a career that spanned 75 years and almost as many husbands. <laughs> so as a humble tribute to this very great star we intend to present a radio biography. Now, last week, I went down to Chattering Parva, her country home, where she lives in utter seclusion, served only by her faithful manservant. Manifestation. I be Kenneth Horn, who be you? I be Spasm. Spasm. <laughs> go, go back to London, young master. Oh, young master. <laughs> go, go back to London, young master, for it is too late. This place be accursed. 
Oh, I be come to exorcise the mad nun of Chatterin Parva. No, no, I've uh, I've come to interview Lady Counterblast. We are doing her life story on the BBC. I broadcast any filth these days. <laughs> we won't be doing anything like that. Well, there won't be much to say then. New Year! Thank you. Ah, we're all doomed. Oh, I've got a touch of the doom. Come in. Are you? Well, I'm Kenneth Horn. I've come to talk to you about doing your life story. <laughs> come and sit by me on the sofa, dear boy, and tell me what you want to know. Well, thank you. Well, now, according to your biographer, Hesketh Podmore, you've been married many times. Yes, many times. <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> many, many. <laughs> Now, tell me about your first husband, the Marquis of Tranby. Oh, man. Really, really. Yes, it was in the year 1891 that I first met him. The old Cafe Royal, Wild Whistler, Beardsley, the incomparable Max, oh, the elegance, the witty conversation, the gaiety of it all. Yes, Mr. Whistler. Uh, another absinthe frappe for me. Oh, and a, a tumbler of neat gin for Mother here. She, she's been sitting for me all day. Very good, Mr. Whistler. Excuse me, but aren't you James McNeil Whistler, the famous painter and celebrated wit whose epigrams scorch whoever they touch? Surely you must be he. Now, oh, dearie, I'm his mum. <laughs> That's Jim over there with a the monocle. Oh, oh, forgive me. You see, I've only just arrived from the country. I wish to become... An actress. Well, then I must introduce you to Oscar Wilde. Oh. See, that's him over there. The big fleshy man looks like Peter Finch. Oh, uh, Oscar. <laughs> Oscar. Ah, oh, my dear Whistler. Just been polishing up an epigram. Perhaps you'd like to hear it. Not particularly, no. Splendid. A what's got four wheels and flies all round? Well, I don't know. What has got four wheels and flies all around? Corporation dust cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, capital. I shall dine out on that for a week. It shows the kind of places you eat at. <laughs> I, uh, I'm very taken aback with this young lady here. <clears throat> what is she? A pushover, I should think. <laughs> Could you perhaps find a part for me in one of your plays? Oh, this is a stroke of luck. Last night at the theatre, Mrs. Sybil Nosegay, playing the part of Lady Windermere, slipped and fell on her fan. <laughs> but surely that is one of the biggest parts in the West End. <laughs> you never listen to gossip, Ducky. <laughs> Do you think you could play Lady Windermere? I don't know. I've only ever played Mariah Martin in The Red Barn. Uh, it's much the same, dear. Just camped up with some posh chat and a few jokes. <laughs> Start rehearsing this afternoon. Uh, 
And that's how it was, Mr. Horn. I was an immediate success. After that, London was at my feet. I played in A Woman of No Importance, Candida, and the second, Mrs. Tanqueray. Oh, what happened? Did the first Mrs. Tanqueray fall on her fan, too? Many times. Many, many times. Every night, admirers flocked around me. I was the toast of London, but I was only interested in one man. At a time, of course. Yes. <laughs> night after night, I was intrigued by a small, bent figure who sat alone alone in a stage box, ogling me. Uh, who was it? Nobody seemed to know. Sammy said he was of royal blood, a prince perhaps, while yet others thought he might just be an old tramp who crept in there for a kip. <laughs> but, but, Mr. Horn, one night I was in my dressing room, changing off the performance, when there came a knock. At my door. Miss Clissold, there's a gentleman to see you. Says he's the Marquis of Tranby, but he looks more like the dog and duck to me. <laughs> Show him in. Forgive my intrusion. <laughs> my dear, but I am your unknown admirer. I've ogled you from afar, and now I'd like to... Ogle you from close to. <laughs> My dear, may I just... <laughs> Marcus, what are you doing? <laughs> just an old man's whim. <laughs> Miss Clissold, would you like to make me the happiest man in all the world? What? Here? <laughs> I'm proposing marriage. I've little to offer you, just me estates in Ireland, a coal mine or two in Wales, and several million pounds in hard cash. What does it matter as long as we have each other? <laughs> then you'll say yes. Frequently. <laughs> What a romantic story, and so you were married. Yes, and it was idyllic. A dream come true. We never had a single quarrel, right up until the time he died. Well, it sounds like it must have been an ideal marriage. It was, it was. The happiest four hours of my life. <laughs> What a heartwarming load of old rubbish that was. <laughs> <laughs> next week, next week we can we continue the saga of one of the world's best loved, or should I say most often loved women, B. Kissel. But for the moment, it's goodbye from us all in the studio. Before I go, I'd like to give you the answers to last week's quiz. The answer to question one was three and a half inches. The answer to question two was, of course, Lionel Bart or a pork pie. Uh, not, not many of you got that, incidentally. <laughs> the 
The other answers were a part of tribe, Charlie Drake, Alma Cogan's mother, Attila the Hun, Sheffield Wednesday, Mariah Monk, and four times a night. Well, <laughs> that's all there is from us, except to announce the details of our new competition. Our listeners are invited to send postcards completing this limerick. I'm going to give you the first two lines. You have to give the next three. The first two lines are these. The Bishop of Bagshot was knocked when a pretty young barmaid remarked. <laughs> you have to fill in... <laughs> fill in the next three lines. Postcards, please, to Kenneth Horne, care of the BBC London. I'll repeat those two first lines. The Bishop of Bagshot was knocked when a pretty young barmaid remarks. And to the centre of the best postcard will go the week's prize and unexpedited, unretouched, glossy art study of Kenneth Williams' epiglottis. Well, <laughs> that's it for this week, except, of course, to say... Kenneth Horne's got hairy knees. <laughs> that was Ron the Horn, starring Kenneth Horne, with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Paul Fenelay and the Hornblowers, with incidental music composed by Edwin Braden. The mixture was prepared by Barry Took and Marty Feldman, who should be taken three times a day and shaken. <laughs> and the whole ghastly witch's brew was stirred up by John Simmons, who ought to be ashamed of himself. Yeah.